Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not know you. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Keep Chillin' Here, and I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And boy, oh boy, it's, you know, we say this every week, but how is there this much stuff to talk about? I don't know. Uh, my bigger, que- the bigger question is, how can we go so long without talking to each other? That, that's true, too. Yes. I, mean, I don't know. How, do you sleep at night? Are you able to... I, you know I can don't. Can you eat? Have you been able to keep anything down? I've, you know, I, I've, I've been doing my liquid diet. I mean, uh, you know, texting is one thing, but if we're not speaking, I, I, it's, it's tough for me to, to get through my day. So, I know, I know. I, I think we should make it a, a twice-a-week show, I've decided. <laughs> really? That's your new decision? <laughs> it's been going so well that I think it's time to make it twice a week. We are coming up, though, uh, very quickly, quicker than people probably think. On a major episode number, aren't we? That's true. This, We're coming up. This is 86. Jeez. So before we know it, 100 will be here. I know. I know. What are we going to do? Uh, we, I don't know. How are we going to top 50? Well, 50, we did that special thing where we did, what did we do again? <laughs> where we quizzed each other. We came up with questions for each other and kind of interviewed each other. Right. We came up with questions for each other that were unrehearsed, that we didn't know ahead of time. Yeah. But then didn't we also have a batch that, that we had agreed on that we prepared for? Yeah, we did, we did some that we shared with each other, and then we did some surprise ones. So do you think it's too early? And I think we, we also did, like we called Randy at NECA and figured out how to, how to say NECA. Oh, yeah. You know, we did some fun things like I that. I still never got my 100 bucks for that. What? I don't think we bet on that. So let's do this then. Do you think 86 okay. is too early to start asking the folks what they might want out of episode 100? Of course not. Well, let's do it. Oh, maybe maybe episode 100 is like a live show with an audience. <laughs> really? We could do that. And you think I'm being uh, optimistic. How would we do that? Uh, we'd find a location, and we'd sit next to each other, and we'd invite people to say, hey, come listen to us. You're tight with, uh, with Kevin Smith. Can't we borrow his... Uh, where does he do his live things? Uh, well, now, I mean, they used to do it at the John Lovitz, but now they are at, I think, the Hollywood Improv. Why don't you pick up the phone? Give, give, uh, give Kev a call. And all right, all right. See if we can borrow the theater for a night. Well, I'll see, I'll see what I can do. Right? I mean, you... I'm sure he'd love to be there listening to us chat. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I, I'm pretty tight with, with Ralph Garman. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know, they, he, he loves our stuff. <laughs> I'm not tight. We've, we've spoken once. But maybe there's a way to do something live. But in the meantime, for the good people out there that have been so kind to listen all these years, we're coming up on episode 100 in a short 15 weeks or so. We'd love to know what you'd like to to have in your episode 100. Yes, let us know. Yes. You know how to get a hold of us. I think so. Facebook page. Yeah. Email me. It's a big deal. Daniel at geekshellinherit.com. And please... Keep it clean. Yeah. None of this. I'd like you both to be nude, you know, Roman Greco wrestling during the, the show. None of that. Nobody wants to hear that. 
No. Or see, or it, see quite it, quite frankly. And trust yeah. me, whatever you thought of, we thought of it first. <laughs> That's already, right. okay? So just keep it clean. But enough about episode 100. Yes. Let's get right into episode 86. Let's live in the now. That's 86, episode 86, huh? No, I see what you did. That one? So what the hell is going on? What are you excited about? Well, I'll tell you. I, uh, I talked last week about I got the new... Hot Toys uh, Avengers Hulk figure. Sure did. Well, this week I got the uh, DC Collectibles Batman Arkham City Solomon Grundy figure, which gives the Hulk a run for its money on the heaviest figure that I own. Solomon Grundy, born on... A, a Monday. Yeah, a Monday. That's right. Uh, so he was, he was digitally sculpted by uh, Joe Mina. Wow. Uh, he's gigantic. He is the biggest figure. I, I thought the the Titan Joker uh, that Phil Ramirez sculpted was a big honking figure in that line. Solomon Grundy is bigger and heavier. Wow. He's got a removable chest panel. What? And his heart comes out. Awesome. Just yeah. like in real life. Now is he? Um, right. He's. I'm sure he's not as articulated as as uh, you know exactly as articulated as the other 12 inch figures but is he he's he's got some articulation such as a big hunk of plastic right that is absolutely correct yeah he is you know he's got hips and knees and shoulders and elbows and neck and and a removable chest for goodness sake see i think when you go on about something like this that's very specific or like the hulk or whatever i think you owe it to the listeners to put a photograph uh oh of the two together yeah 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 or be holding them like I've had twins. Or you should put up a picture like in of the Hulk ripping Solomon's chest off, holding his heart. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah, get that up so people know what you're talking about and can um, really get the scope. And then, of course, put like a normal 12-inch figure in the photo as well. Okay, all right. You know? But see, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But. Right. But see, he's in scale. The other figures are like six and a half, seven inches. So he's a giant in the line. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're not talking about he's in he's in a six inch scale line. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was more along the lines of like the Hot Toys um, Hulk. So that so he's not no, he's, he's, he 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 is a deluxe figure. I got you. That is giant. I got you. So put him in there with a couple of six inch figures and show the people what uh, what they're missing. Stomping a mud hole in Batman's gut. Wow, and his heart comes out. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's his action feature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Removable heart. And and his, and the whole chest thing, you know, that pops on and off, looks like it's, like, stitched into his skin with rebar. Wow. Yeah, I always feel a, like, uh, I always felt like Mr. Grundy's kind of misunderstood. He is. I mean, right? I mean, well, you know, they made him, uh, I don't know, did you ever read uh, James Robinson's run on Starman? I did not. Oh, it's a great run. You should check that out sometime. Well, Thanks. they... they they he put it to the audience that every time Grundy is killed again and regenerates, mm-hmm. uh, he has a different personality, uh-huh. and so he came back and was this sort of sensitive Grundy for a while. It was a very interesting run. But don't you feel like he's kind of? I I don't feel like he's pure evil. Like he's really a bad guy, like other bad guys. Don't you feel like he's right. kind of? You know, he's kind of misunderstood, sort of. No? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he was born in a swamp. That'll do it to you. Sure. I'd like to see you have a smile on your face coming from a swamp. Yeah, being killed and reborn in a swamp. Yeah. That's no fun. Wearing an old suit. Very cool. 
That's uh, that sounds fun. I can't wait for the pictures. Yeah. How about you? What are you excited? Well, about? speaking of toys, uh, every now and then, you know, speaking of someone that that, that that buys toys, that's always loved toys from being a little kid, and who you know is part of a, a his own toy company and does stuff, you know, I find these days that it's 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 uh, we can get excited about stuff. And a new figure that comes out, or like, ooh, this movie's getting some figures. But to really get excited, to really have something different or new happen, I think is a rarity. And I think it's the reason that people responded so positively and, and, and with such, so ex- such excitement when uh, we first heard about this uh, alien reaction set of figures that Super mm-hmm. 7 was doing. Um, and I said it before, but like this Comic-Con, last year's Comic-Con, we were just looking at pictures of them. I still think they're, it's the coolest thing to come out of Comic-Con in ages. Um, I got the early bird kit. Uh, yeah, I got two early bird kits, you know, one to keep, uh, to keep them packaged, one to rip them open. I'm very excited about this. Alien's one of my favorite movies. So uh, everyone's real excited. And this piece of news that's come out the past week or so, and I'm going to get this a little muddled, so maybe you can help me out, but... It okay. sounds as if uh, Funko, who everyone knows is sort of the kings of the bobblehead world and um, pop vinyl, that really fun thing they do with pop vinyl, they mm-hmm. have jumped in and taken over the Super 7 uh, Alien project to make the figures uh, a little more retail friendly. So they're 15 bucks a piece instead of 20 bucks a piece. Uh, but it opens the door to loads more retailers and stuff, which is really cool for the early bird kids like, like you and me. Because uh, initially you go, well, hey, wait a second. I got the early bird thing. How come it's so much cheaper? We're getting an extra figure. Uh, Apparently so. Yeah, right? that was the announcement. Yep. Six figure. No one knows what it is yet um, because we uh, we got there early. And anyway, so this is happening. But with that announcement is an announcement that Funko slash – wait, are they still calling it Super 7 or is it just Funko now? Well, Super 7 had it originally. Right. So, uh, yeah, Funko, there's the, the, it was a little strange, but it sounded like they're doing it sort of in partnership, but that Funko is now part of the Reaction brand. Right, so when the figures come out, though, will it be Super 7's Reaction figure, or will it be They are, Funko? no, they're going to be shipping them from... Uh, we'll be getting them from Funko, as I understand it. Okay, so Funko's like, t- not only done that, but they've also made this announcement that this isn't the only reaction set of figures we're getting. We that's right. We heard rumors at Comic Con, um, you know, whispers, you know, in the hallways and and from from Frank himself that for sure it's. I remember at, at, at Comic Con specifically, for sure we were going to be getting Aliens, the 80s. That's right. He had that Cameron that that was going to happen. That was very exciting. But now that this announcement's been made, Funko has said, uh, you know, and that ain't, that ain't all. Uh, and they've announced this slew of, of licenses that are all going to be getting the reaction, three and three quarter inch, five points of articulation treatments. Titles such as Back to the Future, Aliens, Predator, Terminator 1 and 2, Firefly, which is very fun because everyone loves the Joss Whedon. Um, stuff like that. So um, I'm excited about this because I think it's it's really cool that um, that so many titles are being thrown around and that we're just getting something different. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how it's all going to go or uh, what titles are all going to happen. I'm hearing lots of rumors outside of the official announcements. Uh, 
that are even more exciting than the official announcement to me, and in, in some of them very, very exciting. Um, yeah. So I'm, you know, when I say excited, it's almost like excitedly curious or curiously excited just to see how this goes and, yeah. and what's going to happen. You might know more about it than I do since, you know, you're Captain Toys, but um, there seems to be <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I'm uh, like, like you said. I'm very curious. I'm a little bit of two minds of it. Uh, I, I don't have the full information yet, but as I understand it, uh, I don't think Frank, uh, who you know was was the the godfather of all this, that birthed all this, yeah. is going to continue forward with it, which is a shame because everything I talked to him about, I mean, he he was the absolute heart and soul of this. Absolutely. Now that being said. Funko does dynamite stuff that I love. Oh, so, totally. Yeah, uh, but Frank really – you. I mean, I remember talking to him uh, at Comic-Con, you know, a year ago, and just the blood, sweat, and tears that he'd already gone through to make this alien thing happen. I certainly was empathetic because I, I know what it's like um, just trying – not only trying to get something going, but just when it feels like you're just talking to a brick wall all the time. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot of effort and – a real fanboy sort of spirit. And you can, anyone that's seen any pictures of this, of the, the aliens reaction stuff or seen it up close, just the, the packaging itself, the, the little, the little details, like the, the note that came, you, you got the two prototype figures, didn't you? I did. I was able to get those. Yeah. Yeah. And the little note that's inside there. Yeah. The little note. About how they're going to be great space friends. Yeah. And... Like I'm sure they will be great space friends. Like, <laughs> It's, it's written from the perspective of, um, you know, like a Kenner employee at the time that had no clue what this movie was going to be. Just those little details. I mean, they really, it really, uh, from every angle, was just done with love and, and care. Yeah, so, every decision was made of how would Kenner have done this. And that yeah, is why yeah. uh, the alien stands were a giveaway at Comic-Con. They're not a pack-in because... Kenner didn't pack in stands. Right, yeah, that's right. I'll never forget getting that early bird kit, the Star Wars early bird kit as a kid, uh, yep. those first four figures. And they came with those little white, uh, you know, pegs. The pegs, yeah, the twist that went in the bottom of the feet. I didn't know what those things were. I think I, <laughs> I, think I might have thrown them out as a little kid because I had no. Oh, wow. Because I don't, there wasn't like a sheet inside the kit that said, you know, don't forget to put these in the bottom of the... I mean, I don't think so. I, I think I just... Yeah, you'd pop them in and then turn them, you know, 90 degrees. I had some fun um, a couple weeks ago. I found, um, you know, I still have my 1977 early bird, Star Wars early bird kit envelope, okay? It's, oh, it's really? Okay. It's a crap, but I still yeah. have the envelope. It's, you know, it's been ripped open. I think I've told the story, maybe on air, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, it initially came, just like the alien one... That was a stand that had the other characters painted on it, you know. Yep. So because there were no figures yet, I mean, I was seven. Give me a break, six, whatever. I cut out all the characters off that background <laughs> oh. and had them interact with the four figures that, that did come out. But okay, at, okay. At the bottom section, you know, there's the little space club card, and uh -huh. then there were two other photographs: one of Han and Chewie, and one of what I think was Luke as a stormtrooper. Uh, going down the hallway. Yeah, down the hallway. And it came with a little set of stickers. Now, I've uh, many, many years ago, 
guy called Pete Vilmer. Remember this name, people. Pete Vilmer was an old pal of mine that was a, a, a one-sheet fanatic. He was a movie poster nut, especially Star Wars. He has now become – I haven't spoken to the guy. Pete, if you're listening somehow or somebody knows how to get in touch with Pete Vilmer, please get me the info because he has now become the past you know, six, seven, eight years an employee of Lucasfilm. He was so oh, – wow. He was so um, fanatical on the other side, finding stuff that no one could find, uh, that he has now become an employee of Lucasfilm, and he's co-written a couple of uh, books. Anyway, Pete Vilmer not only got me a super cool Beatles poster from 1967, a beautiful black and white Richard Abaddon uh, picture. It's, a, it's sort of a lengthwise, a widthwise um, poster that I've had framed. And I got that from Pete. He gave that to me. Pete, if you're listening, again, thank you. That's a... It was a beautiful poster that probably cost a pretty penny today. Anyway, he also got me, I don't know how he got it, but he got me a set of the stickers that came in the early bird kit, which okay. way back when I must have ripped off and put on my notebook or whatever. Anyway, I still have my Space Club card that my older brother Jack wrote my name in as a member. I still have the two cardboard pictures, Han and Chewie and the Stormtrooper, and... Now I've got that other set of stickers that Pete got for me many years ago. So I pulled those out of the archives and sort of laid them out next to the Reaction Alien uh, early bird kit. And it just gave me chills. Like, I mean, this is really class A stuff that, you know, the, the little set of Star Wars stickers was 3PO, R2, I think the Star Wars logo maybe? Yeah, I think. And then um, a, a circular sticker that said, may the force be with you. And then, of course, the, um, the, the alien one, it's a circular sticker that says, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yep. Just, yep. just beautifully done. So whatever happened with Frank, um, and I don't know what happened, but I, I, I hope that in some way it's to his benefit or it works out for him because he's one of those rare cats that really um, – Really, you could tell there was just love coming out of this guy for this stuff. And, and he did the same thing with their big, you know, super samurai figures, those Star Wars figures that look like oh, Shogun Warriors. Was that him? Yeah, that's, he was hired away from Kotobukiya to spearhead those. I did not know that. Yeah, so, and like, you know, they were, when he, he would tell me stories, like everyone there at Super 7 was so confused, like, why would you make the Stormtroopers fist fire oh like that didn't happen please. in the movie oh please yeah and he's like no you don't understand it has to then you that's when you say talk about that you should be fired for even asking that question like why do you have wheels on the bottom of his feet i said you should be fired for even asking that question but those are the sorts of things he had to fight for uh, speaking of the early bird kit i, I said no yeah I know. No, I didn't. I didn't ask those questions. No, but you know the fist fires, the firing fist. She fired. Is this I thing on? It. Can anybody hear me? It's it. No, I hear, you're right here. We're recording. But I I remember receiving my early bird kit, uh, got it in the mail, and you know there was the front door, there was the the entry hallway to our house that had beautiful bicentennial wallpaper. <laughs> uh, tile floor and this yellow cabinet, you know, and a mirror on top. Like that was the thing right before you went out the door. You could check yourself in the mirror and you're out the door. I got that and I didn't even take it back to my room. I opened it 
on that yellow cabinet <laughs> to take the figures out. And just like, oh, they're here. I, I remember standing there, like, opening that box and taking each figure out one by one. Oh, it was – I remember – I remember it must have right have been in that window. Like I don't know what age you stopped thinking that there's a Santa Claus, but I did this thing where you there what? Sorry, I would you know go down the stairs at, on Christmas Eve. I would I would make my way like halfway down the stairs. I couldn't get to sleep, and there was the tree all lit up, nothing underneath it. I tiptoe back up, try to get to sleep, couldn't get to sleep. Go back down. I did this three or four times this particular Christmas. And like the fourth or fifth time, so what happened is I must have fallen asleep. And when I woke up the next time to tiptoe down, there it was, just just loads of stuff under the tree. And I just, ah! like, oh. <laughs> and all I could see from a distance that I definitely saw the word Star Wars were the two oversized Marvel uh, super specials. Oh, yeah. That put the whole movie together. So in, in two of those big, so I saw those. Anyway, got, finally got back to sleep, and then in the morning when, when you know, it was time, got down there, and right next to the supersized marbles was the early bird kit. And, of course, I had no idea what it was. I, I never yep. saw it in the store or whatever. Uh, and my brother kind of walked me through what we had to do and fill out the form. And, and while we're doing it, he, he put my name in the space club, uh, space, on the space club card, uh, and I still have it. I still have those bits of cardboard that just – those – those bits of cardboard mean more to me than, you know, we, we talked about this before, and I, I think I wrote an article once uh, on, on uh, Action Figure Insight on, on the blog. Like my 12-inch Indiana Jones, uh, Kenner 12-inch figure. Uh-huh. You could, you know, it's the same figure in the same box that I've had, you know, since it was under the tree, you know? Yeah, and yeah. you could you could take the box away and give me a fresh brand new box that that's in better shape, and put the figure in it, and it wouldn't it wouldn't mean as much. It would not. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't trade sure. that box for a pristine brand new, you know, uh, flat unfolded box. If you gave it to me right now, I would not trade that box. That it means that much to me. And uh, these little bits of the early bird kit. I don't know why it is. That, we attach ourselves to such things, but you know, it just very strange. But it, it, it means a lot to me. But anyway, that's what I'm excited about. Fingers crossed, and uh, I'm very curious to see what happens and where things go. Speaking of being curious, yes, what's going on this week? Uh, I'm curious. Tell me. Well, I think one of the big things we should probably talk about first is the new RoboCop trailer, don't you think? Well, I was going to go for we've the, all I was going to go for the Fifty been, Shades of Grey casting, but if you want to go with uh, RoboCop, be my guest. Uh, either one, we got to talk about them both. We can't okay. let them slip by. And then you got to tell me, and I'm not <laughs> joking, <laughs> because I keep asking my my I've asked my my wife so many times. She's like, "Do you want to read this book or something? Like, what is this Fifty Shades? I, I don't know what it's." I don't know what the fuss is about. What is everybody screaming about? Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think it's kind of naughty, isn't it? Sort of. It is, as I understand it. It's yeah, it's it's mom porn, I guess. But it's it's not just like, it's not just like Harlequin romance kind of stuff. It's there's some stuff that happens in here, right? It's a it's a it's a dominant and submissive relationship right. between this guy named alexander von gray i don't know his name but it's not dominant and submissive in the way our relationship susan underhill right no no not like our relationship no it's diff it's a different kind of dominance and submission 
Right. Anyway, let's talk about RoboCop. I'm getting all hot. Okay. So did you watch it? I did watch it. It, it, it. We're recording this on a Friday, so it came out yesterday. I did watch it, and I have to say, does nothing for me. I don't know what it is. Uh, and I know the guy that, that, that wrote, the, the, I think, the final draft that made it to, to film. I don't know what it is that just... And I'm not, you know, the number one RoboCop fan. I think RoboCop's a good movie. I don't own it. I've never owned it. I don't love it. Um, but nothing about this um, makes me want to run out to see it. It does, however, clearly seem like it's going to be a PG-13 RoboCop. Yeah, it does say that, yeah. yeah. PG-13 instead of R, which is... Uh, a lot of people have a problem with. So I saw it. I'm intrigued by it. I look forward to seeing it. I like everyone in it. I like the guy from The Killing. I like Samuel L. Jackson. I like Michael Keaton. You know, all that sort of thing. I go, great, that's that's a home run. And I like the, the throwbacks to the old film. Yeah. Because I think the old film, you know, was a great sort of satire of that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it, it, it was like nothing we had seen at that time. Yeah. Uh but the black suit, it just feels so derivative, and we've seen it before, and it feels a lot like those stupid jumping suits from the first G.I. Joe movie to me. Well, it just seems like, what are you going to do with this? Like, like, not that you can't remake everything, but what is, what is going to set this apart or make it more interesting, A, than... All the sort of slam bang, you know, sci-fi-ish action that, that that comes out every six months, and B that's going to sort of separate it from the original. I don't know where you go with this. Yeah. To make it, I, I just don't know if it's not. It wasn't that interesting to begin with. I think the reason that it was interesting and that people have such memories, it's not the action. It's not. I mean, the suit obviously is iconic, but I think it is the satire, and it was a very R-rated satire. Everybody was larger yes. than life, but it was very much R-rated. Um, yeah. So if you're not going to go that way with it, I don't know what it is exactly. Well, the, the other thing that was interesting, you know, because I've, I've rewatched uh, part of one and most of two recently, and those films were made in a time before a lot of the technology we have right now. Like cell phones weren't huge. Uh, you know, the internet was next to nothing at the time. It was like AOL. So uh, it feels very dated because they didn't know what was coming. Right. So uh, they, you can absolutely tell they are updating it. I, I mean, I, and part of the thing that was so interesting about the original, I mean, Peter Weller, that was not the sort of movie he was known for and not something he would necessarily go for. Uh, he, you know, he considered himself to be a very method actor, you know, on the plateau was Brando and those guys, yeah. you know, Sandy Meisner, all that stuff. But he threw himself into it. He studied a ton of mime to actually create this sort of robotic thing that he did, you know, how he would turn his head first before his body would turn. Yeah, the guy. And just how he would walk with that, you know, staccato thing. He's a very famous dude. I want to say the guy was Japanese, and he was he was on set, I think, all the time with Weller to get to, I mean, he was that specific about how this guy was going to move. Yeah. Uh, and just really threw himself, and it's just like to take that sort of care to create what was going to be this weird over the top action sci-fi satire. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that I remember 
like feeling like, wow, that was great that he he took that time to to do all that. There's a lot of things people are bent out of shape about in the trailer. They don't like that he still has one human hand. Uh, okay. They are upset that he gets blown up by a car bomb instead of shot to pieces. Oh, I I have to tell you the way, and you know, spoilers if anybody hasn't seen RoboCop, but that is still I can't watch that movie. That is so disturbing to put anybody through, but to put your hero through something so horrific as what they do to him. I just and they're laughing, you know, yeah. they're 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 making fun of him, and that's a horrific death that oh, yeah. they put him through. It's awful. So. If you're going to go PG-13, that's the only way to do it, is to do something. You, you can't replicate what happened in that original. No way. No way. Uh, but at I one always, point, I, you know, he's, he's fighting a bunch of Cylons, it looks like. When I think of Peter Weller, I, I think of Buckaroo Banzai. I do not think of Robocop. He'll always be Buckaroo okay. Banzai to me. But that came after, right? No, Buckaroo Banzai was 84. Oh, okay. So it even it even hit me harder that he got killed that way because I was like, oh man, that's Buckaroo Banzai. You can't can't do that to him, you know. Gosh, you remember all that talk about Buckaroo Banzai sequels? Sure, and the it just never ever happened. The uh, the end credits. I'll tell you something that's cool. Oh yeah, I'll tell you something that's really cool. And every now and then, you know, when you I love finding out. You know, little tidbits like uh, you know when I first understood that. Edgar Wright was such a fan of Flash Gordon. Uh, and then you start seeing it seep through their work, or, you know, the when you hear um, Jason Schwartzman, you know, the, the ring that he has in um, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yep. That makes the same exact sound as Ming's ring from Flash Gordon. Yep. You know, little things like that. I, I love that. And um, uh, I remember the very first time I saw The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Bill Murray, um, Wes Anderson. If you watch uh-huh. that movie, at the end, the entire cast, living, yes, living in the dead, walk. they come walking toward, they're walking toward the camera, just like the ending of Buckaroo Banzai. Yep. It's so cool. And I remember sitting in the theater going, no way, this can't be a coincidence. Like, there's no way he thought of this, you know, just like a cool idea. Like, he must be a fan of Buckaroo Banzai. Because it's it's and in fact people on YouTube have done like a side by side comparison and yep. done the done the Zizou one with the same music from Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, so yeah, it was going to be what was the name of the sequel? It was going to be versus the you know, Buckaroo Banzai versus the something gang or something you know the the the, the Shanghai bad guys or something you know I don't know what but yeah it was going to be. There was going to be a whole series of um, Buckaroo Banzai films. Yeah, I love that movie. It's such a it's such a quirky. When anybody, when you meet anyone and they tell you they know that movie or they dig it, it's like a secret handshake. I think because yeah. it's so, it's too almost too quirky for its own good, and that's what a lot of people said about it. Like there was everything but the it's kitchen. what we say about you. Yes, exactly. Um, Everything but the kitchen sink was thrown in to that thing. He, he did everything. He was a neurosurgeon, played rock guitar, sang, <laughs> played the trumpet, you know, was a genius, knew, you know, karate, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and, it's, and an amazing cast. We've, we've talked about it before, but talk about a cast. Uh, Peter Weller, Ellen Barkin, Jeff Goldblum, Clancy Brown, John Lithgow. Um, who else am I missing? 
Uh, the guy who played Pinky Carruthers was uh, <laughs> Pinky Carruthers was played by um, oh who's the guy? Oh come on, you know he had that hit song from the '80s that came off of Family Ties. What? Billy Vera. Billy Vera played Pinky Carruthers. Okay. Uh, just loads of different strange names. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is in it. Uh, Dan Hedaya. It's a great, great cast and just a just an oddball movie. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen Buckaroo Banzai, that's my recommendation for the week. Run to get to Buckaroo Banzai. Okay. Um, so back to Robocop. Circling back to Robocop yes, real please. quick. It's coming out in February. Yes. I'm sure we'll see more until then. Yes. You know, this is just the first trailer. Uh, but yeah, the, the the audience seems to be pretty split on whether they are excited about it or not, and whether it needed to be done or not. Yeah, I just don't so. know. It just seems like it's let's get a franchise going. We've got this. We've got the character. Let's get a franchise. And I just don't know. I don't. I personally don't have the love for RoboCop that a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, there are some people that just say it's one of those sacred movies that shouldn't be touched. I, I get that. I just don't, I don't have that love for it. Um, but I just, it just, uh, the cast is what excites me the most. You know, you, you said it, the names you threw out like that, that excites me the most. I think about it. Yeah. Keaton looks great in it. He looks younger than, We've seen him in a long time. Have you seen that uh, HBO thing yet? The, the, I did see it, yeah. <laughs> clear history. Yeah. Did he? Did his big he, mutton chops. And... Don't you think he just stole every scene he was in? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. God. Yeah. Come on. Somebody give this guy a comedy. You know? He's so good in that. I think I think the movie overall is pretty funny. Yeah, but I think it was. Keaton, we, we enjoyed it. Keaton's genius. There was a lot of subtlety in the movie. Uh, throwbacks to previous things, like when they first show the, you know, when he's when he's shamed and moves into his own place and he's changed his life and stuff, and they don't mention it, but all his outlets are at you yes. know, eye level and stuff. <laughs> they don't ever say it, but it's just like, oh, look, he, he did that. Yes, it's loaded. There's a lot of great little touches like well, that. I even in feel it. like there was so much improv. Do you remember when he's sitting down, he's sitting down with Danny McBride and Bill Hader and uh, Keaton, at the restaurant or something, and he, he mentions the rumor about his ex-girlfriend from the Chicago concert. Yes. He mentions it to Keaton, and I swear this had to be ad-libbed. And Keaton just goes, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I knew it. Everybody knew it. And then Keaton yeah. goes, well, he goes, well, how do you know? He goes, my sister was there, too. Yeah. Now, I almost guarantee that wasn't in the script, but then they, they call back to it toward the end when, uh, what's his name, is talking to the band. Yeah. He throws out... Keaton's sister's name. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, I, yeah. I thought it was very good. It, it, uh, I've seen it a couple of times. It made me made me laugh. Speaking of making people laugh, yes. you put this on the list because I care about you deeply. I had to look it up and, and, and watch it or listen to it before the show. Your, one of your bands that you dig called The Bobs. <laughs> you listened to of it? Of course I did. <laughs> One of the bands you love called the Bulbs, yes, uh, have released their new album this week. They're actually called the Roberts, but because you're such good friends with them, you get to call them the Bulbs. To me, yeah, yeah, the Bulbs. That's right. They have a tune called Clarence Birdseye Flash Frozen Food. <laughs> yes, but uh, their their new album is all biographies of different famous and not so famous people. 
Yeah, explain so what they, this thing, what this, it's a bigger project than that, though, isn't it? Isn't it like a multi-layered sort of project kind of thing? Well, I mean, it was it was their Kickstarter that they did. Uh, there's some songs that they've done previously that they reworked. So they are the world's first new wave acapella group. I've mentioned it before. And they are uh, not for everyone, we'll say. They are a very acquired taste. Uh, they do a lot of covers. Uh, they've done a couple of albums of covers, actually, but they're all acapella. And so this this uh, new album, they, like I said, it's, it's all biography. So they do a song about Clarence Birdseye, the man who created the Flash frozen food. And the song that I, I thought would be funny that I, would, uh, I was going to send a link to you and then get your reaction, but you've listened to it, is the Queen theme from Flash. Yes. Done, yes. done a cappella, but they have changed the lyrics to be all about frozen vegetables. Right. So it's all about frozen vegetables and Clarence Birdseye and what he did, I think. But right. the whole thing, it, it's, it was fun to listen to, I have to tell you. Again, not my cup okay. of tea. And I, right. what it made me do is immediately run to the original version to hear that. Right. What's kind of cool about it is it, 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 you listen to it and you imagine – what that Queen Flash Gordon song would sound like a cappella. It's just the lyrics are different, but it's basically that song with just a bunch of voices. It's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of amazing what they pull off. Yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, but that was fun. So thanks for that. Okay, good. I wasn't sure how you'd react, but yeah, when I heard that, because <laughs> I was sort of listening to the whole album in the background, and it came to that, and I, I was like, wait a second, that sounds like. And I looked up the title. It was like, oh my god. You know what? I, I'll yeah. say this. What it, what it made me want, honestly, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I would be curious to see what they would do with an album's full of, of Queen songs. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Queen were so multi-layered uh, and, and such virtuosos in, in certain categories. I'd love to hear what they could do with, with the more, more Queen songs. Uh, another song on there, if you get a chance to go back to their site oh, and, and listen sure, to I'm another. Oh, I'm sure I will. Uh, they, I think it's one of the later songs on the album, and they've they've released it on one album before. Is a song called "Bach to Bach," okay, and it is uh, an acapella song that is that famous cello duet by Bach, and it's the bass player Richard Bob and the the female singer, and uh, as the two cellos, but they are singing as Bach and his wife, sort of having a fight, <laughs> but they do it acapella and the. The talent that it takes to do that vocally is stunning. Yeah, no, listen, so. uh, not my cup of tea, uh, not my sense of humor, anything, but there's no doubt they're a talented bunch of folks. You can't, uh, yes. you can't just roll out of bed and, and do this stuff. Uh, however, nice little segue. Speaking of Queen, yes. I wanted to talk about some Queen stuff, do uh, if I may. Uh, first off, the, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert that was done a uh, little less than a year after he passed away uh, all those years ago, um, mm-hmm. which was at Wembley. And it, people like everyone from Guns N' Roses to George Michael to Liza Minnelli to David Bowie. David Bowie famously, I think right before his, he did Under Pressure or right after, I think right before he made a little speech and then got down on one knee and, and recited the Lord's Prayer. Mm. One of the single strangest things ever at a rock concert. And, and the band had no idea he was going to do it. It was so strange. He basically wanted the whole audience to, um, 
you know, do the Our Father with him. Uh, very strange. That's just come out on Blu-ray DVD, um, which is very exciting because there's some really cool performances. Um, Roger, da I think Robert Plant, I think Roger Daltrey. It's, it's a it's an amazing lineup uh, of people that they got to this show, and kind of is a testament to how beloved uh, Queen were. Um, and also, I think how shocking his death was. It was still pretty early days for that that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, that just came out. But they also released some information past week or two. Brian May, I think, uh, said something way back in 83, 82 or 83. Uh, mm -hmm. Freddie Mercury got in the studio with uh, Michael Jackson. And they did a handful of songs, did a handful of demos, three or four tracks, I think, um, that never got released. Um, one of which was called State of Shock. That version popped up, the Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson version popped up on YouTube not too long ago, and it's, it's pretty cool to hear. The version that eventually got released, if you remember, uh, was Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson, a strange duet. It's like the forgotten bit of Jagger history that he did a duet with Michael Jackson. Uh, Is that the one Weird Al covered on one of his polka medleys? Uh, it's possible. I, I, you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you anything about <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic. What? No, not my universe. Um, so State of Shock got released, uh, the, the Mick Jagger version. So those are finally getting released uh, officially on an album, I think, along with a few more uh, bits of music that had never been released from Freddie or Queen um, is finally going to be coming out. So that's very cool. On a sad note, the biopic, they've been talking about a Freddie Mercury biopic for like 10 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, the latest news was that Peter Morgan, a uh, screenwriter who wrote uh, The Queen, uh, the Helen Mirren movie, among many others, he yep. was doing the screenplay, and Sasha Baron Cohen was playing Freddie Mercury. Well, yeah. apparently he has bowed out of the project. Um, he wanted to go, this is the word, he wanted to go far more uh, R-rated. I mean, Freddie's life was pretty X-rated, but he wanted to go more R-rated with it, and... Brian May and Roger Taylor from Queen wanted to go, and they can kind of I can, they control it, I guess. They wanted, oh, interesting. Okay. They wanted to go a bit more PG-13, so he walked away, and now Peter Morgan has basically made a statement saying if he's not in, then they probably doesn't look like it's it's going to happen at all. But that's oh. kind of a that's kind of a bummer because that would be a very cool story, and I thought it was kind of brilliant casting. Yeah. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen playing playing Freddie is pretty pretty genius. Uh, so that's my Queen news. That's the the band that is almost bigger now than they ever were, and they haven't had a lead singer for for twenty over twenty years. That's true. So uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, I saw some movies since we last spoke. Tell me on the format called DVD. You're familiar with. Uh, that's old, yeah. yeah. Don't you have to have like a was, like a VCR to play that? Yeah, it's a special machine. But when you when once you get it going, it's you're opening up to a whole new world. Let me tell you. So I saw uh, something that I wanted to see when it came out in the theater, but it just blinked and you missed it. Called the Iceman. Have you heard of this one? Uh huh. Uh, which uh, tell me more this about this is it. the one with Michael Shannon. And uh, oh right, where he's like a like he's a hitman or something, right? Yeah, he's a hit. He's, it's based on a true story, I guess. This guy you know, was a hitman for 30-some years, 
um, and you know was married, you know, wife, couple of kids, very happy uh, home life. But his family knew absolutely nothing about this life that he had and what he what he really did. So Michael Shannon, uh, Ray Liotta, uh, Chris Evans, Captain America is in it. Uh, okay. Winona Ryder plays the, the, the wife. And then there's some faces that pop. David Schwimmer pops up. For, like, what's he doing? Um, but it's kind of cool because Michael Shannon, he's so understated and so um, menacing, but very low-key, almost like like a nihilist. Like, even if a friend tries to hug him, he's just kind of, uh, you know, he, he's not... The only thing he cares about are the wife and kids, and he, he you know, killed for them. But he's this... He's a, he's a psychopath, basically. And he's really good in it. Okay. Uh, but you watch it and you kind of go, well, yeah, it makes you think of Superman. Like, you watch him in this movie and you go, he is so fortunate because he's so odd-looking. He's so fortunate that he, uh, you know, he, he's got this career now. He's like a leading man. Who would have thought this guy would be a, a leading man? Uh, but I just remember Zod in um, uh, You Can't Take It With You. What was the movie called? Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Um, how he just was, he turned it up to 11, like from the moment he showed up and he had nowhere to go, but you know, halfway through it, he's screaming his face off. Um, this Iceman movie, he's just, he's more menacing than he was in Man of Steel. It's, it's ironic. Also saw a movie that I was going to tell you about, because I know you're such a fan of Michael Sarah, um, and, and Arrested Development called Magic Magic. Yes. Do you know about this movie? I have heard of it. Yes, I don't. I can I don't know if I can recommend the movie because it's just such an odd and it just doesn't pay off. Pay off really kind of the way you, you'd hope, but it's this strange story of uh, this girl who uh, is friends with this other girl, and they're going to go to this cabin for the weekend kind of thing. And then the 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 girl that's the lead, her friend has to go away for one of those days, so she's kind of on her own with these two guys and another girl that she's never really met before. And so as you're watching the movie, you're not sure if, if she's kind of crazy, if they're crazy and they're putting her through a hard time or what exactly is going on. But Michael Sarah is so odd in this movie. You, <laughs> you just don't know if he's straight, gay, if he's, if he's touched in any way, like kind of, kind of mental, what his deal is. He's, he's, he's very good in it. It's just, Okay. You're seeing something that you've never seen him do before. Um, so I would recommend it just to see him, <laughs> how weird he is in the, in, in the movie. Um, not a great movie, but, but uh, something different for him. It must be tough being – I don't have sympathy for Michael Cera. I'm sure he's doing just fine. Right. But it must be tough for the guy already where, like, no matter what he does, he's Michael Cera. Like, you can't or, – or he's George Michael. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I don't think he's going to... Or he's Scott Pilgrim. Or he's Scott Pilgrim. I just don't... You, don't, you know what I mean? You don't picture him in, um, I don't know, the remake of Bullet or something. Like, he's never going to be able to, you know... Well, I think they kind of poke fun at that in... Uh, and I haven't seen it yet, in that This is the End movie, where he's just oh. like a coke fiend. Yeah, I, hadn't, I, didn't, I haven't seen that. I heard it was... Yeah, apparently they, they just make him keep doing things against the type you know him to be. Well, isn't there a guy on SNL that does, like, an impression of him? Yes. Because I've seen that a couple times, and it's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. it's – he's – Michael Sarah. again, I'm not saying it's Oscar-worthy, but 
he's nothing like Michael Cera in this movie, Magic Magic. He's very different and very strange in it. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's what I've seen recently. Excellent. We should talk a little bit about the Fifty Shades casting just quickly. Oh, because, because I think uh, it's, a, it's a testimony of just sort of how the Internet is trying to change how movies get made, we'll say. Okay. So we know people went crazy with the, uh, the casting of Ben Affleck as Batman. I'll say... And, you know, they started the petition on at the White House thing. They did it on change.org. <laughs> well, well, a week later, it was announced. It was on Labor Day, actually. The, the two leads for the Fifty Shades of Grey movie were going to be Charlie Hoonan, uh, who we saw in Pacific Rim and Sons of Anarchy, and then uh, Dakota Johnson, which is Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith's daughter. Oh, I, I've seen her in a couple of things. Yeah. Okay, and apparently, uh, for a second time, then it is the the internet needed to be burned to the ground. <laughs> Why? Because they thought it should have been these two other people that they've all had in their mind and have been talking about since the books came out. Uh, who? Who are the other? Uh, I forget who the guy is, but the the girl was the the Bladell, What's her name from Gilmore Girls? The daughter on Gilmore Girls. Oh, right. She was in... Uh, Alex Bledel, is that her name? Alexis. Alexis Bledel, yeah. She was yeah. in uh, Sin City. She had a small part in Sin City. Yeah, and she was uh, in Mad Men pretty recently. By the too. way, did we talk about uh, Josh Brolin uh, being in the next Sin City? No. Yeah, I think he's... Or Old Boy. We didn't talk about that either. Which, have you seen the original Old Boy? I haven't. I need oh, to. Oh, my God. That is a movie, again, like District 9, I can say, great movie. I never need to see it again. Okay. I'm not going to say anything about Old Boy, but oh boy, oh boy. Um, I don't know how you remake that for a mainstream audience. Um, yep. But anyway, th- but he's in Sin City uh, 2, A Dame to Kill For, I think it's called. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, yep. And I think he's playing Clive Owen's character. Oh, okay. Because he has plastic surgery uh, from book to book, I guess. Yep. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting that he is in a comic book movie uh, coming up down the road, uh, I think next year. Is that Cincy? Anyway, yeah. sorry. So the internet goes nuts because they wanted someone else, and these are the two people they got. But what is this movie – what is this book about? I'm afraid to look it up. If, if I look it up, I feel like the FBI is going to track me or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's some sort of relationship between, like, a boss and a secretary that becomes sexually charged and is, you know, a dominant, submissive, sort of light S&M sort of thing. And I think there's, I don't know, two or three books. I I, I feel like I'm telling tales out of school a little bit because I don't know that much about it. I, uh, heard, it's, I, it I heard a specific. I have heard a specific detail. And this specific detail... Is, Do we need to say spoilers for people? I'm not even going to say what it is, but it's it's worse than a little bit of light S and M, if you know what I mean. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not going to say. There's so many jokes I could make right now, but I'm not going to. Uh, anybody can look it up if they like. But um, but but clearly, it's a very popular. Wait, so it's a series of it's a series of stories of the same uh, characters. Yes, as I understand it. Oh, okay. There's maybe, I don't know, two, three, four books. 
So everyone, uh, I, I only know that because I think I've seen like in Target like a box set of them. So everyone's going crazy because uh, because these are the people that were that were cast. Yeah. But, but they think they should be able to get on the internet, start these petitions, and raise a rally cry that they know better, and that they should be able to control the fate of the you know the film and how it gets made. Which I think is who did that? Uh, the, the, the the these people that started the Change.org petition, or, and the amount of they got like you know I don't know ten thousand signatures in the first twenty four hours. And you're talking this is just for Fifty Shades of Purple. Yes, but I mean, it happened for Batman, too. Isn't this interesting, though? Because it's, this is very interesting, because you're dealing with someone else's property, someone else's um, studio, uh, studio, someone else's money. But isn't it interesting that the other end of that spectrum, I think, is the Kickstarter thing, where you can buy your way, if you have the bread, you can buy your way into performances. You yeah. can literally buy your way into a movie and take, even if it's a three-line you know, character, three-line part, you're taking a part away from the, the, you know, taking bread off the table of the out-of-work actor that would go and audition for it. So in a way, in a way, I don't know what point I'm trying to make. <laughs> so uh, in a way, but, uh, I, I just, I'm not I just sure went and looked it up and it's... It's Matt Bomer of White Collar that they think should play Christian Grey. Oh, he's uh, wait the gay guy. I don't know. Yeah, he's openly gay. That guy, the really, really, the really handsome guy, the guy that's so handsome you can't look at him for too long. I don't know. I've never seen White Collar or read Fifty Shades of Grey, but the, the, I, I, I guess the, I'm a straight man, you know, and I, I've talked about this on the show. I got no problem saying how handsome another fella is. This guy is so good looking. That it, it, he he shouldn't he needs to have like a mole on his a big mole on his cheek something like he's just too good looking he's ridiculously handsome if you if you look at him too long uh, uh, it will burn your retinas uh, so the, their their petition says uh, all readers believe that Matt is Christian it would be a dream to see him in the movie. Matt Bomer is perfect to play this role. He's the only Christian Grey. He's a great actor, and he can fit the character perfectly. No Bomer, no movie. Wow, that's a that's yeah. a that's a T-shirt right there. <laughs> yes. No Bomer, no movie. Well, you know, if this is and one of the it's got a, one of the just quickly one of the co-producers tweeted that says people there's a lot that goes into casting that's not just looks <laughs> it is talent availability, their desire to do it, and chemistry with another actor. That is true. And he yeah. is, he is um, you know, kudos to him because he's one of the few men out there uh, that is a regularly, I, I don't know how to put this, there's, there's more and more uh, guys that are, that are out there that are coming out uh, as gay with, with, and, and keeping their career intact. I think it's different with women. I think, I think the straight audience has an easier time with a woman who they know is gay playing a straight person in a movie. For some reason, I think the general public has an easier time accepting that than a guy that they know is gay uh, playing straight as part of a straight couple. They, for some reason, there's still that stigma that they can't... You know, and and, and the, the most amazing one is... Um, 
Neil uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Patrick uh, Shandling. Neil Patrick no, Harris. No, Neil Patrick Harris and How I Met Your Mother. Antithesis. Yeah. He's a complete opposite of a gay guy on that show. Um, That's right. But, and, and I would make this argument, but it's an over-the-top sitcom. Yes. I don't know. I mean, I don't care. I've never understood what the hang-up is. If, but, but there are so few uh, gay actors out there, you know, males, that will, will take that chance and come out. This guy's come out and been very vocal about it. Like he's had a partner for, I don't know, 15 years. I think they have a kid or something. He's, he's really out there, so to speak. Uh, you know, so good for him. So it's interesting. If this is the same guy I'm thinking of, it's interesting that – am I right in assuming that the Fifty Shades audience is primarily a female audience? I think – yeah, I think that's safe to say. Very interesting that, that whatever this story consists of, that they have ab- – and it's very telling – which should make other people go, well, shit, if they don't have a problem with this, well, I should come out or the studio should say, you know, whatever, that, that that's the guy they want to play the guy in this straight couple. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I think it's got to be the same. I think he's the guy that's the lead on White Collar. Oh, okay. But I love I love that statement. Whoever, whatever that thing was, like he's the only person. He's definitely he's always been the person. What's wrong with you? like? No, definitively, he's got to be the guy. Yeah, that, but the, you know the, these fans believe they know better. Well, that's uh, I think it's refreshing to hear such things coming from the uh, I would say the establishment and not the geek or nerd community for a change. Right. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of nice to hear it coming from the other the other side? Yep. I'm just saying. I just thought, yeah, I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. Uh, very interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't I – gotta, I got to learn more about this, this story because I think it's a little naughtier than you, you think it is. Speaking, well, I think you need to read it and report back. Speaking of casting, um, have you seen this uh, Iron Man a film by Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. It's a short film. I don't know what site it's on. Just look up Iron Man, a film by Mark Wahlberg, and the guy that did it, uh, or whoever's in it, is playing Mark Wahlberg as if he were Iron Man. As if now, because of the Affleck thing, all the heroes are going to be cast as like you know Boston actors. Yeah, it's like a combination of the fighter and the town mixed in with Iron Man. But the guy that does that's doing the the Mark Wahlberg impression, I think, is it's pretty dead on. He's very good. Yeah, I, I know Andy Samberg does another. Oh, this uh, guy he puts Mark- this, he puts Samberg to shame. This guy. Yeah, he's like dead on. Um, and speaking of uh, uh, Iron Man and Thor and all those guys, did you see uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, meeting Cookie Monster? <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, and you can tell he's you know he's doing everything in his power not to crack up the fact that he's having a conversation with Cookie Monster. Exactly, and it's just it's so fun to see because you're like, you know, I remember a great, uh, I think I might have told this before, a great John Cleese interview where John Cleese was talking about making the Muppet Show or the movie or whatever it was, and it was, I don't know what how long he'd been there already doing this, but like you're surrounded by Muppets, you know, like you know there's people there obviously, but whatever your vantage point is, everywhere you look, there's Muppets, you know? Yeah. And so he said that there was a particular take that they did. It was in a scene with Kermit. And when they, you know, yelled cut, 
he just turned to his right and just kind of tapped Kermit on the head and said, well done. And he said it was so natural that he didn't even, it didn't even occur to him. He was, he was saying well done to Kermit. Yeah, so I've heard many people say that sort of thing. Like, it's weird when you start out because there's like people below you, yeah. but they they infuse these characters with such life. At some point, the people below disappear, and you're just talking to the Muppets. I think that's just brilliant. I just love that because that to me speaks to the kid in everyone that you just yeah you know you can get into this place and just and just be you know what what a it's almost like wish fulfillment. Like you wish this world existed. You know, uh, I just think that's brilliant. So you watch Tom Tom Hiddleston in this, and he's just he's trying to keep a straight face, like he's either cracking up because he he thinks it's funny, or he's just having the time of his life. Yeah, there's so much delight in him. Yeah, in this two minute piece. Yeah, <laughs> next to Cookie Monster, trying to trying to show uh, patience with not eating a cookie or something. Yeah, very cute, very cute. All right, so we're we're running a little long here. What else we got to talk about? Well, let's see. We should probably mention... Oh, this was fun. I, did you get a chance to look at the link I sent you about the TARDIS Easter egg I on did. Google Maps? I, I read the link. I did not go and try it out, but uh, it seems like a fun little time waster. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of fun things on Google that are these weird little Easter eggs. You know, I, I, We've talked about one before uh, where if you type in like Atari Breakout, it starts. You start playing Atari's Breakout on Google. So uh, I'll, I'll put the uh, I'll put the link on here. But there's a, a link you click on, and it's you know Google Street View of a an intersection in England, and there's just a TARDIS sitting in there, sitting on the street corner. And if you go up to it, you can go into it, and there's a full 360 degrees view of the interior of the TARDIS. Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I couldn't tell if it was in Cardiff or not. I was hoping that it would be, but uh, oh, I, I couldn't tell. Wasn't there some... Uh, oh, there was a neat little piece of uh, info that um, Stephen Moffat let slip about the the uh, regeneration. Oh, really? Yeah, just a quick little snippet how um, the way they're playing it is Matt Smith's doctor... Um, it's something similar, I think, to the tenant thing where he knows the end is coming and he doesn't want to go. There's a darkness to it, they, they, they said, that's going to be very sad uh, with Matt Smith. Um, hmm. But it was an interesting little little tidbit that almost was like, oh, you're giving a little bit away that uh, we didn't think we'd, we'd hear. Um, and, and someone else asked him if he still believed in the premise that there's only you know, 12 regenerations and 13 doctors. And he said, yes. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. So. Because they, you know, that was something that I remember way back, you know, being a fan of the show and always talking about, you know, as a kid thinking the show was going to go on forever, that at some point they were going to have to change that, that policy. Yep. As they do with everything. Everybody, everybody comes back. Oh, I read something else kind of cool. Um, where is it? Hang on. Hang on, everybody. Hold on. Let me get this piece of info. Um, they talked to Joss Whedon about bringing Agent Coulson back. Oh. Did you hear about this? No, uh-uh. Yeah, he said, yes, I can tell you a little bit about how he comes back. I said, I can tell you that it involves Kenneth Branagh, 
and uh, some electric eels. <laughs> so I'm assuming he's referring as a little Frankenstein uh, in-joke there or something. Right, yeah. But here's a little snippet from um, Mr. Um, Mr. Phil Coulson, uh, uh, Clark Gregg. He says, when the mystery that takes place was described to me, I found it so fascinating and so true to the world of the comics and mythology in general that I was immediately in. That's all I got. Oh. He doesn't give you any more specifics than that, but he says, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, he's, what he's basically saying is it, it'll make sense. Okay. You know? But, you know, then again, he's picking up a paycheck every week now, so... And we're going to be seeing that pretty soon. I think that's uh, September 24th, right? Yeah, I wonder if they're just going to come right out and address the elephant in the room and say, okay, here's how. Or my guess, knowing Whedon and television in general, is they're going to milk it and spread it out somehow. Like, I don't. Oh, I. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to know in episode one what the hell Colson's doing there, how he's there. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, we saw a little bit of that in the trailer where they're, you know, they hire the new guy and he says he's level 31 or something. Uh, yeah, and they're, they're saying, well, you know how Agent Coulson died. He's like, well, of course, I know everything. I'm all the way level 31. And then he steps into the room and goes, hey, this is what you find out when you're level 32 or something. You know, I'm paraphrasing horribly, but. No, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that uh, trailer or commercial. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was. I think that was one of the ones that came out of Comic Con. Oh. Yeah. When he steps in the room and goes, "Welcome to level thirty-two or whatever." Speaking of uh, Comic Con and casting and everything else, we can now confirm that uh, Rocket Raccoon will be voiced by Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, that's true. So that, no, not Benjamin Bratt. No, not Bradley ben- Cooper. <laughs> What's the matter with Bradley you? Cooper. Are you drunk again? <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. Can you imagine? What a world. We'd Benjamin Bratt. What a world that would be. Uh, so there you go. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm going to mention uh, at the end here that PowerCon is this coming weekend. PowerCon. Here in Los Angeles. Oh, Torrance, to be exact. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this year it's covering Masters of the Universe stuff, Thundercats, and Ninja Turtles. And I'll be there, I'll probably be there both days, uh, Saturday and Sunday. But Sunday around 2 o'clock, I'm moderating a panel about Master of the Universe Classics with a bunch of the Mattel designers and stuff. And what character are you cosplaying? Uh, I will be cosplaying Claudine. Claudine? Claudine, yeah. You just made that up. Who is the, the very sparkly lion steed in the She-Ra universe. Oh, right. Yeah, you... The pink lion. You've got the figure for Claudine, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One little bit I forgot to mention last time, um, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, everyone, I think, at this point knows that I do voiceover as well as all this other crap. Um, I had an interesting uh, couple of auditions uh, last week for a little something called Star Wars Rebels. Oh, my goodness. Animated series. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the same day, it was, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the character that Christopher Eccleston's playing in the second Thor movie. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, for, for him in the video game. But also, oh, okay. uh, these two uh, characters in the Star Wars Rebels animated series. 
Now, it was just a scene, and they were both in the same scene. I, I didn't know exactly who these guys were. I think they were bad guys. All I can tell you is one of them, uh, they wanted a you know, stiff upper lip kind of British, proper British accent. Mm-hmm. And the other, they wanted a little more Cockney. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's all I can tell you. Uh, they, were, they were walking through a, a, a town kind of harassing the locals. So I'm thinking they're bad guys. So no Dexter Jetster for you, huh? No Dexter Jetster. Nope. Not yet. Huh. All right. But uh, fingers crossed. I'll make some calls. I'll see what I can do. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping this won't be the only Star Wars Rebels audition that I have. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it'd be, that was kind of a fun little uh, thing to throw in there. Yeah. Yeah, I should have saved the script. I might still have the script, but maybe I'm not supposed to. I don't Ah, we'll do a dramatic reading. Maybe I'm not supposed to. Nah, uh, that'll be maybe fine. Maybe I shouldn't have even said this. What? Everyone just forget what you just heard. All right. Are we having like a men in black moment here? Yeah. Now I'll never get called again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good stuff. So, so sorry, tell me again where uh, PowerCon is? PowerCon is uh, at the Marriott in Torrance. Mrs. Torrance. Wait a second. Is it, um, uh, is it the whole weekend sort of thing? It is Saturday and Sunday of this weekend. And power- 14th and 15th. Oh, it's this weekend. This coming weekend, oh, crap. yeah. Um, yeah. It's this weekend? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, the, four- the 14th and 15th. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's next weekend. Well, by the time people sorry. hear this, God, it's this weekend. You stop with that? It's Friday now. We're in this weekend. God, I don't know so what it's next I don't weekend. Know where I live. I can't get home from here. Um, PowerCon, for those that don't know, mainly involves right, like Transformers and teenage. There's no Transformers. No Transformers. I just I went down the list. I said oh, it's He-Man, it's Thundercats, and this year uh, it is also Ninja Turtles. I see. But if you if you were so inclined to go to Torrance and and pop in. And you want to look for some toys or something? They have other stuff, right? Like they don't just have like if like if they had a dealer's room, it wouldn't just be those properties. The first year that was the case. Oh, last year that was not the case. I mean, I, there was a guy that had like the inflatable Flash Gordon ship. You know, I saw one of those there. And awesome. This guy with a bunch of hot toy stuff and Transformers and vintage stuff. Uh, Mattel is there. They have a booth this year. I understand Playmates is going to be there. And revealing some stuff also. Oh, cool. Uh, the guys from Spy Monkey Creations are going to be there. They've got an exclusive. Never heard of them. So, come on. Um, oh, good good for them. That's great. That's that's totally their, their audience. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of Transformers, though, is, wasn't there a new poster that came out or something that's telling everybody that this new one is going to be about the Beast Wars or something? Uh, well, not the Beast Wars. The Dinobots. The Dinobots. Yes, it's uh, Transformers 4 Age of Extinction is the name of it. Oh, that's a dead So there was a poster and a title were revealed. That's a dead giveaway, right? Age of Extinction? Yep. And uh, Mark Wahlberg, right? Isn't he in it? <laughs> he is, actually, yes. <laughs> there you go. And they're talking about this will be a new three-film series, as I understand it. There was a leaked Toys R Us memo that came out that kind of confirmed that it's about Dinobots and that it's one of three new pictures for Transformers. I, awesome, because I hate to I got to say, the first one I thought was okay for what it was. It was just fine. You know, it's it it a film about giant robots. It's fine. The other two, unwatchable. But this thing, the fact that it's involving Dinobots, 
I think that could be really cool. Like, I really, I would want to see that movie. I hope so. I mean, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, it's never going to be Shakespeare, but, uh, you know, I'd see that for a dollar. No, it's a Robocop throwback. Yeah. See what you did? All right, that's, uh, that's all we got for you today, kids. But that's a lot. That's an awful lot. That's like an hour and ten minutes of goodness. I don't want to hear any complaining. That's a lot of... It's a lot of goodness. I, I, and we, we, didn't, we didn't get to talk about it. So next week we're going to talk about HBO remaking Westworld as a pilot. Okay. That's our tease. All right. And oh, and the last thing, the last thing we have to do, we have to name a listener of the week. Oh, right. I, That's our thing. We do that. I've got to get out to Barnes & Noble and pick up Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, right. Come on. So our listener of the week this week is our good friend uh, that I think everyone knows and has heard of. Gene St. Jean. Oh, Sculpture yeah. extraordinaire, Gene St. Jean. Oh, yeah. Mr. St. Jean is a loyal listener. Um, uh, does lots of magic with his hands, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. And the last comment he made on our page was, what, what was it exactly? He said, we posted the new episode, <laughs> which was, you know, the, uh, there was a little late. But I, and I posted it late at night, and he said, oh, this is fantastic. Now I can listen to you guys while I lathe for an hour. Not a phrase you hear every day, but also, no. I think, a huge compliment. I absolutely agree. Anybody that, that, can, that can lathe and listen to us at the same time uh, is, is, uh, is aces in my book and listener of the week. He, every week. But uh, also, Gene, you know, is responsible for, you know, way back, the early days of Biff Bang Pow, um, uh, no need to go into all the details, but uh, Ming, Ming the Merciless, if anybody remembers that gorgeous uh, figure. Up until recently, Gene told me in hushed tones, still his favorite uh, sculpt that he worked on. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. That's cool. And it's, it's gorgeous. It's like, that is a gorgeous sculpt. I completely agree. Like, I have it in my collection. Like he walked right out of the, out of the movie. So thanks yeah. for, for listening, uh, Gene. Thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, and uh, you know, seriously, if you guys need something to lathe by, you could do a lot worse than Geek Shell and Harris. That's true. And um, don't forget, <laughs> it'll be here before you know it. we got episode 100 coming up. Any ideas, uh, please, please send them on a postcard. Maybe we'll be lathing while we do that live episode. We can try. All right. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.